We talked several weeks ago, and I kind of want to. I kind of want to go through this. Feel like I need to. That the devil wants to kill and and destroy, steal, kill, and destroy, as it says in First Peter five eight. He wants to ruin you, and we went through a few things. Uh, that he is really trying to do to each and every one of us. He wants us to live in fear. Do you remember that one? He wants us to feel insecure. He wants us to skip church. He just really wants us to fail. I am wearing Gina's glasses, so if you can't tell, if some of you are looking at me like, what has he got on? These are Gina's glasses. Aren't they awesome? Didn't even notice, did you? He wants us to fail. He literally, he just wants us to fail on everything we do. And so we need to remember, don't let the devil get into your life. And what he, what, how, how he'll generally do it is he'll try and get through relationships. He'll, he'll bring people your way that you'll start hanging around that really, you know, they don't have anything to do with the Lord. And, you know, I talk to people about this all the time, just constantly, is when you start getting involved in other people that, that really don't have anything to do with the Lord, you begin to get in that same category with them. You begin to not really want to do anything for the Lord. You begin to just... Just kind of make yourself absent. So it's very important to understand that it is, it is important to come to church. It is important to come to the things where we gather, where we fellowship. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John 4 here in just a moment. And we went through all of 1 John almost. And he talks about fellowship. He talks how important is fellowship. Man, some believers have a really hard time with fellowship. We just can't hang around each, each other. Sometimes I don't think we like each other. It's real important to, to like each other, to like each other enough to hang around each other. Well, I don't know. I don't really want to go, from, you know, I don't really like Mazios. Well, it doesn't matter whether you like Mazios or, or, or where else do y'all go, uh, that expensive place, uh, McAllister's. Whether you go, it doesn't matter where you go. Hang around each other. Well, I only like my family. Well, step out a little bit. Well, you didn't like that one. Step out a little bit beyond your family and, and start making your, fa- make your family bigger. Amen. I guess I'm going to preach to myself this morning. Is everybody awake? I'm going to come down off this stage and I'm going to start walking around here in a minute. If y'all don't start smiling at me. I tell you what, the devil wants to just kill, steal, and destroy everything that, that God has given you. Let's not, let's not let him take that. Now, let's go ahead. We're going to finish 1 John chapter 4 today, and then we have chapter 5 next week, and then we're actually going to finish the chapter. I know it's been like three months. Yeah, but we're actually going to finish the book, right? So, Ethan, go ahead and put that up on the screen for us. We're going to start at verse 11 because we've already gone through part of that. I don't know if I'm going to carry that around with me or not. Let me come down here so I can see it. And he says, and this is John. We've been talking about John for weeks. If those of you who can remember, this is the Apostle John. And boy, that, that boy has gone through a lot of stuff. He's the one that was set in a pot of boiling oil and he wouldn't die. Remember that? They threw him on the Isle of Patmos. That's where he wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, you can just find all kinds of things out about him. He was, he was awesome. And he says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So why, why would we want to love each other? It says it right here. Because God loved us that much. Man, he loved us so much where he gave his only son. John wrote about that too. 
that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So because what God, how much God loves us, we ought to love other people. We talk about this all the time. Some people are hard to love. And I'm talking about born-again people. Because he says how important it is to love people like you, to love born-again people. Why would he even have to say anything like that? Why, why would other born-again people have a hard time loving other born-again people? Because a lot of times... Let's just, let's just speak the truth in here this morning. It may hurt a little bit because a lot of time, born-again people are the most critical people on the earth. Come on now. Sometimes people that are born again that got, got Jesus in their heart and us being led by the Holy Spirit, we're some of the most critical people on earth. Do you know what makes us critical? It's the religion on the inside of us. That dead, that false religion that we've been taught. I was thinking about this last night when I was, when I was finalizing everything that I was gonna do this, this morning. That's generally what I do is, is the, the night before or the morning before because sometimes God will change everything up on me. So I was finalizing this last night and, and you know, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, most of what I have lived by, most of my life, I have been taught to live that way. It wasn't necessarily what the word of God said. It was what I was told. It was what I was preached. It was what I was, it was what I was taught. And a lot of what we're taught is not really the truth. But we'll go ahead and live by it because it's what we were taught. How many of you realize that what, a lot of what you were taught at home might not have been the truth? Did, did anybody meet my brother-in-law last week when he was here? First time he's ever been in this church. He's an attorney in Dallas. He owns his own uh, law firm in Dallas. And he's busy all the time. And, and they just showed up last Sunday. And he said, Mark, that's the most amens that I've ever said <laughs> in one service. Talking about all, just all the, you know, how I keep you guys involved, saying amen and all that. He said, that's the most I've ever said. He said, I'm just, you know, they were just so impressed with the talent and, the, and such that we have here in church. But that, you know, they were just amazed. I was just amazed he showed up. You missed it, Suzanne. I know, rats, rats. She's known them for a long time. But he said, that's the most amens I've, I've said in a long time. They really enjoyed that. But I thought, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what we're taught is not really correct. And so we need to go by the word of God. Sometimes we have to be retaught. Right? No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love brought to full expression in us. Let's go on. And God has given us his spirit as proof. What do you have on the inside of you that's proof? You've got the spirit of God. God has given us his spirit as proof that he, we live in him and he lives in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Let's go on. And all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. So what do you see? How do you, how do you differentiate a born-again believer from any other religion? What does that say right there? Back that up, Ethan. What makes us different 
from just plain old religion. Those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. The difference between Christianity and any other religion that does not believe in Jesus Christ is that we have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Just because someone goes to church, just because someone goes somewhere every Sunday or Saturday or whenever it is, if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, they are not born again. That makes a difference between a believer and a non-believer. There are all kinds of religions out there. But a lot of religions don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what differentiates us. Sometimes we can't even tell by our attitude that we are any different from anybody else, any other religion. Because sometimes we have an attitude and we're getting ready to go into another series called The Jonah Factor. It's not about the fish, it's about the attitude. It's our attitude that can actually completely shift our life to something else other than what God has for us. So we're going to talk about attitude. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. Okay, you can go on now. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Okay, listen to me. If you don't get anything else this morning, here's what we need to understand. The number one thing that we need to live by is we need to understand that God loves us. If we don't understand that, we will not be able to understand anything else. If we don't live by knowing that God loves us, if we don't know and don't understand that God loves us, we will not be able to love other people. Hello? If we don't understand that God loves us, we won't be able to love other people. If we don't understand that God loves us first, we won't be able to love other people and we won't be able to truly give. If we don't understand that God loves us first, we won't be able to love other people, we won't be able to give, and we won't be able to serve with a proper attitude. Four things that we need to understand every believer needs to live by. Number one, God loves you. Number two, because you understand God loves you, you love other people. And you want to bring those people into knowing God. That's going to be important to you. Number three, when we understand that God loves us, We love other people and therefore we have the desire to serve. It doesn't become just, oh, I've got to get my my hours in up the church. Oh, I've got to do this or Pastor Mark's going to get on to me. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to get in. I've got to give into the offering. It doesn't become something that you have to do. It becomes something that you want to do. So you gotta have the want to. When you understand that God loves you, you're gonna have the want to. It's not gonna be, oh, I better do this. 
I love it. I just, I just love it. And I know my boys are the same way because they're growing up the same way as me, but they're the new generation of me. Do you understand? They're the new generation. Do you realize that, Carrie? Is that you've got a new generation coming up. Yeah, you've got a couple of them here. You got one in the back, you got one in the front. They're the new generation of us. See, Trish, you're the new generation of you. You expect, you to expect for your next generation to be better than you. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yeah. I expect for my boys to make more money. I expect for my boys to have even a better relationship, closer relationship with God. I expect for my boys to love their wives even more than I could love Gina. I do. I expect to have lots of babies because of that born into my family. Because they love their wives. Well, don't just laugh at me. That's the way I expect. That's the way Gina and I expect things. We expect for our kids to do better than us. Yeah. Where was I going with that? <laughs> the next generation is coming, so we need to understand we've got to give that next generation their chance of bringing up their generation, the next generation. A lot of churches have gotten into the point to where, well, this next generation is not really any good, and so we're just going to set them aside and not let them do anything. Do you know what that's doing to the church? It's dying. It's dying because we don't let the next generation come up and really do what they're... We're not even teaching them. We, the church has got to teach the next generation what it means to love God and to serve and to give. Somebody told me the other day, you know, I go to a church that everybody's pretty much over 60, over 70, because the generation over 60 or 70 knows how to give. They were taught... They know how to give. They know what it means. But the biggest issue is those of us who are that age did not teach the younger ones coming up the same thing. And so we need to understand how important it is that those of us of this generation teach the next generation coming up. Why do you think it's so important to give the kids as much space as you have over here or even more? That's how important they are. All right, let's go on because we're getting ready to finish here. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. How many of you realize that you are just not perfect right now? You will not leave this world with any imperfection. You will go to heaven and when you leave this world, you will go to heaven if you are born again and no imperfections will follow you. Woo! Glory, glory. No imperfections. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment that we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. How many of you are confident? You know, when you stand in front of him, you ain't got nothing to worry about. It is so important for me as pastor of this church, not to bring any false doctrine into this church. It has cost me money. It has cost me people. Some people are still mad at me. 
I've had people come in here. I actually had one person come in here and said that God told him that he was supposed to be the associate pastor of this church. I said, God didn't tell me. So therefore, you aren't. Of course, he's not here anymore. Guys, some Christians are the weirdest bunch that are out there on the planet. Granolas. Nuts, fruits, and flakes. Because when we get born again, we need to understand that we have got to grow. We've got to grow, and the only way to grow is through the Word of God. Right up here on screen. This is the way we grow. You're not going to grow by me ranting and raving up here. You're just going to be taught something. And it's, it may, you know, without the Spirit of God, Carrie tells me, you know, I pray the Spirit of God on you every morning because he knows how I am. Those of you who go to lunch with me know how I am after I step off the stage. There's a certain anointing that's on this stage. When I stand up here, I give it to God. And then when I get down, I become Mark. How many of you agree with me on that? My imperfections start to come out. Huh? Amen. My daughter-in-law says my imperfections come out. Of, you know, I'm kind of ornery. I know that you love me still, and I love you too, because you are the same way. Come on now. None of us are perfect, but man, the anointing of the Lord is so powerful. The anointing, you know, when you're called, you're called. We talked about that last week. When you're called, you're called. God can work through the craziest bunch of people. God can work through the, the, the worst of us. Yeah, right. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Woo. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Do you realize that you're living in fear? It's just because that you're ignorant of his perfect love. If you're living in fear of dying, if you're living in fear that you're, gonna, that you're not gonna have any, any money to pay your bills, if you're living in fear, if you're just plain living in fear, it's because you just don't understand that God loves you. You know, a lot of what we go through is not because God's punishing us. A lot of what we go through is because we punish ourselves. I believe that just said that. We punish ourselves. We just tend to put ourselves through some of the dumbest things. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, man, I've put myself through a lot of dumb things. I must be the only one in here. But I, you know, I just, I just have done some, some really dumb things over the years. Well, let's go on. We love each other because he loved us. Got one more, I think. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christ, I believe he said this before. He had to say it again. Those of you who have been through this with me the whole time, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? Oh, man. You know what? 
that today, in today's world, let's just face it, the way everything is set up around us, social media, uh, just there's so much information today. So much information just constantly going, just constantly moving. And we hear so many things and we, and we, can, we are in contact with so many people that we never have been in contact with before. You know, just, so, just a, a huge abundance of, of information. And it's so hard to keep our minds straight because we've got so many things being said. Listen, listen, don't, don't get mad at me this morning because I'm saying this in love and I, and I just need you to understand that it's not an education problem. It's not a pay problem. It's not, we will be more passionate. We are more passionate about things that are temporary than we are passionate about things that are eternal. It's not an educational problem. It's not a, listen, whether you believe in, in legalizing marijuana or not, it's not a marijuana problem. That's not where the problem lies. It is a spiritual matter. We took God out of schools a long time ago. And therefore, we are where we are right now. We took God out of our health a long time ago. We decided that medicines were more important than believing God for healing. Therefore, we are where we are today. I can just go on and on. We took God out of the government. Therefore, we are where we are today. Everything stems today in America because we were born a Christian nation. Everything stems today in America out of a spiritual issue. The reason why we look at teachers the way we do today, our government looks at teachers the way they do today, is because it's a spiritual matter. And so we are where we are right now. Look, some, somebody give me an amen. I know I didn't say anything to make anybody mad. It's a spiritual matter. Now, I'm going to close with this today. I was on Facebook this morning. And Joe D'Amico, he's, he's a guy that's coming here pretty soon, one of Carrie's friends. He's, a, he's one of my friends on Facebook. He posted this thing about this car. Anybody see it? Did you see it? This car, this particular car, and I, and I saw the, did you see it? I saw it and I said, I have got to, I've got to go on this. I've got to see this car. Uh, you know, I'm not a real, I'm not a speed enthusiast or anything like that, but I just had to see this. It's called a Bugatti. Anybody heard of a Bugatti? Well, Ethan's going to show us some pictures here in a minute. But a Bugatti, there's only so many of these made. This style right here, there's only going to be 450 of these made. Ethan actually said that his dad is going to buy him one of these. Tim's not listening, so he didn't hear that. This is a Bugatti... Huh? Something like that. Veyron. These things are handmade. Yeah, can you see it? Handmade. I watched one being made this morning on Facebook. What they do is they make the back end, the front end, they make the motor and the transmission, they bolt everything together by 
hand. They don't use air ratchets. They take everything and they put the bolts in and the mechanics take ratchets and wrenches and put this car together. Oh. Now, I am a fan of Dodge Challenger. I'm a Dodge Challenger fan. There's a couple of people in here that have a Dodge Challenger and they haven't been listening to the Lord because I'm pretty sure that the Lord has told them to give that Challenger to their pastor. A pretty purple one. But I <laughs> don't point at him. But anyway, over here, I'm just kidding, Jason. But I'm a, I'm a fan of Dodge Challenger and I thought that the, that the Hellcat Challenger was like the best car ever made. 800 and something horsepower. Huh? 707. Well, excuse me for living. But <laughs> 707 horsepower, but there's another one over that. Yeah. What's the name of it? Demon. What? Demon. I won't own any car named Demon. <laughs> yes, I will. If you give it to me, I will, and I'll call it something else. I'll rebuke the demon out of the car and name it something else. No, I don't, and neither do you. Now, 700 horsepower is a lot of horsepower. Does anybody want to guess? If you know, don't say anything. And you either. If anybody want to guess how many horsepower is under the hood of this car? Man, you guys are thinking big. 2,500 horsepower would send you to the moon. This car has 1,001 horsepower. After they put it together by hand, bolt it together, they test the horsepower on it. I just, I just don't know what to say about that. That just looks like a thing of beauty to me. Does anybody not like this? If you are, this is your last day at church. If you do. 1,001 horsepower, built by hand. Does anybody want to guess the price tag on this particular model? Once again, you guys are way up there. Tim, you are going to buy me one of those if you're thinking that high. Two hundred miles an hour. <laughs> Do you want to get up here and preach this, or one point five million dollars? One point five million. You will get one of four hundred and fifty. One point five million dollars. I'm sure, and I'm sure that there's a waiting line for these. Because they're handmade. Now, I, like I said, I'm not a car enthusiast all that much. I do want a Dodge Challenger, and I don't really mind if it is purple, because I can always paint it. <laughs> but I was looking at this, and God said, do you realize that I made every person in that room that exact way? I thought, What? He said, he told me that this morning. You know, he's just speaking to me in my mind. He goes, I handcrafted each and every person in that room this morning that you're going to be speaking to. He said, I want you to look at this car 
and remind them that they are even more handcrafted than that. And you see, if you're driving that down the road, you're going to get some looks. If I, if, if I see one of you driving that down the road and you're not tithing, I'm coming after you. <laughs> when you drive down the road in that, you're going to get some looks. You're going to turn some heads. Do you realize every time you walk down the road, you're turning God's head? You've been handcrafted. God didn't use an arrow ratchet on you. He didn't put you in an assembly line. He didn't throw you together and just throw you out the door like a lot of cars were made. He built you by hand and he built you even before your parents ever even realized that you were coming around. He bolted you together and he looked at you and said, mm, that is a mighty fine machine. I just handcrafted that. And see what a lot of, lot of I, what do you think uh, the owners that buy a one and a half million dollar car, how do you think, oh, by the way, before it ever goes out of the building, it's a 3,000 square foot building that these are built in. That's all it is, just, just a little bitty. 3,000 square foot's a real small area. They polish this and they can't have a blemish on the outside of it or it doesn't leave the building. Not a blemish. Do you realize that you never left the building when you were bolted together without anything that God would say, something's wrong with you? He made you so perfect. And yet he set you out in the world and he gave you the opportunity to live for him or to not. Now, Somebody that's going to pay $1.5 million for this car, how do you think they're going to treat this car? How do you think? How do you think they're going to treat that car? I mean, probably wouldn't be driven very often. Probably, you know, probably, probably would be kept up pretty good. Somebody that can buy a half, uh, $1.5 million car probably has somebody that will polish it for them every day. See, the thing is, is God puts us out there. He bolts us together. He, he forms us. He does all that. He puts us together for a particular thing. And then we go out and we just, we just go crazy sometimes. You know? We waste, we, we, we destroy our body, the motor. We wear everything out. And then we go back to him and ask him to rebuild us again. After that we have made the mistake of what we have done. And the thing about it is, is man, he'll just, he'll, just, he'll just pick you back up, take you back in, polish you back up, and set you back out, and watch you do the same thing over again. But the thing is, he'll take you back in, fix you back up, gas you back up, and expect you to grow in the situation that you just went through. I'm talking for myself here, you know. He was talking to me this morning about this, not, and I'm just relaying it to you because he's talking to all of us. But see, he put, he handcrafted, man, he handcrafted me and expected me really to do what he's called me to do. But see, we have the choice. I have the choice. I have the choice to gripe and complain. I have the choice to get out there and do what God's called me to do. Because, man, he built me to do it. Amen. But a lot of times the world gets in the way and we just decide we ain't going to do it. We're not going to do it. 
He still loves us. He still made us. He'll pick me back up and do it again. I'm better looking than that car. And that's pretty good looking. I'm better looking than that car. Don't you be nodding at me like that, Mr. Subaru. That's a good looking car. Anyway, that's the message I got for you this morning because, man, we got a lot to do, folks. We got stuff to do. I look at myself sometimes and I think, you know, when I write, when I write a check to give, I think sometimes, you know, I better, I better knock off $50 on that check because I don't know if I've got the money in the bank. I don't know if I can get up for church this morning because I, I don't know. I just, you know, I can't even hardly talk this morning. I, I probably should have let Gina preach. Probably would have been better. You know, we just, we just tend to just do what we want and not really what God intended us for, do, for us to do. Putting responsibility on y'all this morning. Isn't it great? Yeah. Uh, you guys are looking at me like, okay, that's enough. Responsibility. Because that's who you are. Man, you're sleek. All right, stand up with me. Now, as you stand up, look at that person right next to you. Say, ooh, you're sleek. Look on, look at, turn around. You are, you are. Ooh, say, all right, now turn around to him again. Say, God didn't, God didn't make a blemish on you. Ooh. Oh, go ahead, tell, tell Kyle, he needs to know. I mean, God just, oh my goodness. All right, now just take a look at them right now. and Just, just look at them like they're really something. Just turn around. After you've talked to them, say, ooh, wee boy, you're awesome. <laughs> Woo, you are awesome. Look at that. Now everybody look up here at your pastor and say, ooh, you're awesome. Ooh, you're awesome. Well, 10 of you thought I was. That's awesome. That's good. That's how God made us, man. He, oh man, he expects us. He expects us. He puts us together and he says, here, I'm gonna put you out there. Now you go. Now you go. Do what I've called you to do. You make the choice. How about let's make a choice? Let's make a choice this morning together, shall we? Let's just, let's just give it to the Lord. Let's just say, you know, God, you made me for this. This is what, you know what? A lot of us just need to start listening. A lot of us just need to start listening to what God's called us to do. Man, if, I mean, if you're like me, you're thinking, man, all, all the imperfections that I have as a human being, I just can't, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what I can do. For, or Lord can work just with you just the way you are. Because on the inside, you're perfect. Yeah. And you're perfect that way because you've received Jesus as your Savior. You have God living on the inside of you. That's what his word said. So let's just pray that this morning together. Let's put your hands up in the air and let's just praise him. Let's just ask him this morning. God, I just surrender to you right now. I got my hands up in the air and I'm saying I surrender to you. I don't care what everybody says about me. I don't care what anybody said about me. I don't care about the past that I've had. I don't care, I don't care anything about that anymore, Lord, because I belong to you. You have handcrafted me. You have made me to win. You have made me to be fast. And I'm running the race. And I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna live for you. Not for myself, not for anybody else. I'm gonna live for you. 
Father, I thank you that right now that you're just placing on the inside of their, inside of their hearts, those who are truly wanting to live for you in this room, that you're placing inside of their hearts what you have for them because some of us just aren't listening. Father, I pray right now that we begin to listen to your spirit that's on the inside of us, each and every one of us that's born again in this room. Father, we love you. We understand that you are love and we want to love other people. We want to serve. We want to give. Father, we should have no excuse in this place. No excuses in this place. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.